0: I'm Amy Hall, and you're listening to Stand to Reasons hashtag SDR Ask Podcast. With me today, as usual, is Greg Kokel. Hi, Amy. Hi, Greg. All right, let's start with a question from Corey Chia. Corey. Corey Chia. Okay. I'm researching Japanese history and came across an obscure second-century text where a Shinto monk was expressing his dissatisfaction with the religion and how it didn't meet his desire for redemption. Is this someone for whom there was no hope? Could God reach him?
1: Well, the simple answer to that is yes, God can reach him. And uh, in fact, a number of years ago, I read a book called, uh, let's see, Don Richardson, um, Peace Child. And that's the first book. Actually, that's not the one I, his second one was Eternity in Their Hearts and what he described there is all these examples of people who were in the circumstance that was just described a person seeking god in a sense on god's terms not on his terms seeking redemption and god provided the particular information that was necessary for their redemption which is the gospel there is a uniform voice in the new testament that um, trusting in Christ is required for salvation Now I know th- this there's a lot of Christians who don't believe this and um even people like Bill Craig seems to be equivocal on whether that's a requirement or there are some other means for some of those that are outside the uh, reception of the gospel proper uh for being justified just like Old Testament, believers were justified without knowledge of Christ. But that particular detail seems to cha- have changed in the New Testament. And I I point out in, in Acts chapter, I've done some writing about this, and it's on our website, uh, is one way the only way, or... Um,
0: no other name.
1: No other name. These are two pieces that are similar, that cover the same ground, and they've, so they're on our website, they've come by, go by different names. I don't know what the most current iteration is. But uh, I look at, for example, Acts chapter 10 and Cornelius, and here's a guy that's got in- incredible spiritual credentials. You know, he gives alms on a regular basis, he worships the God of the Hebrews, he's a God-fearer, he's a Gentile, but he's doing all of these things um, the best that he can, given the information he has. And he's even receiving visions from God that are meant to connect him with Peter. Okay, but the problem is, why does he need to hear from Peter? Because the guy, in spite of this great spiritual pedigree that Luke records there in Acts, he's not saved, to use our language about the circumstance. He's not saved. He's on his way. And so then God arranges supernaturally for both to have revelation about a meeting and Acts 10 records the meeting, and there Peter essentially preaches the truth about Jesus, and in the midst of that preachment, Cornelius and his family and friends that are gathered there become believers, and there's manifestations of the Spirit. And so then they said, hey, they've got the Spirit like we have, let's baptize them. Now, the point here is, this is the inclusivist's Uh, poster boy. An inclusivist is someone who believes that a person can be saved by Christ apart from faith in Christ. In other words, they don't have to believe in Jesus, and this is particularly in the New Testament era. Yet yet, here's the poster boy, and he's still not saved. And every indication in the New Testament is trust in Christ explicitly is required. What must I do to be saved? Philippian jailer, Acts 16. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. There's not the slightest hint that people following other religious enterprises will be saved by Christ through the false religious enterprise, but that's the inclusivist's claim. And that's also, for example, the Roman Catholic Church's view at the moment. So, um, on that view, this person, who's doing his best to seek God, apparently according to this document, Um, seeking redemption, will receive redemption simply in virtue of seeking it, apparently, honestly, regardless of what religious view he happens to take at the time. But that's not what the New Testament says. And the documentation from Richardson is that those people there's lots of examples of people in extreme circumstances like that in modern times we can record them and he does he gives the the history of them that god who in my view has already been working in their heart to draw him them to himself which i think even arminians would agree on um, is going to give whatever information is necessary to satisfy the demands of the gospel faith in christ since that's what the new testament requires why wouldn't god provide that for whoever is genuinely seeking him on his terms regardless of one's convictions about sovereign grace of course of course god is capable and will do so when the circumstances require it and th- that's my confidence so if we just play out this account of this Japanese person seeking redemption, then if they were seeking the true God on God's terms, then then God is going to respond with what is necessary for them to be saved. If this is 2nd century AD, then common era, then that information is going to be the gospel, because that is what is clearly specified in the New Testament. And even according to Karl Rahner, the Roman Catholic theologian who holds to uh, inclusivism and uh, the idea of what some might call unconscious uh, Christians—they're really Christian, but they don't realize um, it—this notion of unconscious Christians or inclusivism was totally absent from church history until the end of the first or beginning of the second millennium. How could the church miss this for a thousand years if this is sound theology? It's not sound theology. So um, who whoever is seeking God in the appropriate way is going to be found by him, okay, or is going to find him, or vice versa, you know? because God is sovereign over that circumstance, and there's nothing that is preventing him from getting the information to them that they need. He can move mountains. And in fact, as the Richardson accounts there in uh, Eternity in Their Hearts uh, are evidence of that. So I have every confidence God would do that.
0: And I would say it's even more certain than that because if someone is seeking God, that means God is drawing him. And right. if God is drawing him and calling him, God will give him the gospel right. in whatever way. So when you're looking at someone in this second century text, we know that if God was truly drawing him and to himself, God would reveal himself to him. But you can have someone who desires redemption but doesn't re- desire God. He mm-hmm. might he, want, he might want relief from his guilt. He might want, you know, t- to go to a place where everything will be redeemed. But that doesn't mean that he actually wants God because mm-hmm. that involves some other things. It involves submission it involves uh kind of a giving over of yourself it involves seeing god as he is so even if somebody is lamenting the fact that he has sin or he has guilt and he doesn't like that that doesn't mean he would turn to god and mm-hmm. i think i think you know most of us probably know somebody who would fall under that category
1: yeah a deeply religious person Following their religion with uh, with vigor, and I mean, many religious people qualify for that. Look at all the Mormons, for example. Look at all the devout Jews. Look at all uh, the devout whatever Hindus, whatever they are obviously sincerely pursuing. Paul says in Romans chapter ten regarding the Jews, I bear them witness; they have a zeal for God. They have a zeal for God, but it's not in accordance with knowledge and not seeking uh, God's righteousness, and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God, which is Christ. So, you can read that in Romans 10, the first couple of verses, and um, that I think it helps tell the story that there are people, like, just like you're saying, people who genuinely seek, um, but some uh, other things are going on. Mm-hmm. And we don't know their heart; God does. And so I'm going to leave that to God to sort that out. I don't have to sort that out. But what we can't do is we can't change the standards that Scripture clearly make for salvation, just because we it seems to us to be unfair.
0: Well, and underneath this is the idea that we are all by nature children of God's wrath. Mm-hmm. So we look at someone like that and we think, "Oh, here's someone who deserves God's redemption." Mm-hmm. Again, we're looking at this from our own human perspective, where we are all starting off in rebellion against God, and we're comparing ourselves to other people. We're not seeing ourselves as we really are. We're starting off as people who are in rebellion against God, who deserve punishment. The fact that God saves anyone is just grace. And this is something—if if I could just get people to understand what that means, hmm. because I think— we're still, especially in this culture, we're still thinking that we are owed something by God. Yeah. And so when you apply that to this case, no matter what God does, if he does not save this person, that's not an injustice. So we can't, we cannot forget that as we're looking at this. And I would also say even in the Old Testament, only those who were trusting in the true God— who had faith in the true God as Abraham did were mm-hmm. the ones who, who were saved. And that's this that's the same thing that goes through to the New Testament, although now we have more knowledge about God. So if we reject Jesus, we're rejecting the Father. But even back then, it wasn't just that God didn't have requirements of of who to trust or, 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 or how he or was saving.
1: The, or what the true religion is. See, there was no inclusivism in the Old Testament. All of those pagan people who followed pagan religions were condemned. And the Jews, when they followed the habits of the pagan religions, mm-hmm. they were condemned too, even though they had the true God as the center of their uh, of their religious their formal religion now obviously they didn't follow him consistently, but that's that's it, it it's not any different in the old testament i when someone once said so was easier in the Old testament uh to be saved because you could believe whatever. And as long as you're sincere, this is the way they understood it.
0: Hmm. And
1: the answer is no. It was this, the people who were, as you pointed out, who were righteous in their pursuit of God and their their behavior from human standards reflected that. These were justified by their faith in God, just like Abraham and those that followed. And Paul makes that point that justification goes all the way back to Abraham, justification by faith. and um, And all of those people, Every one of Old Testament saints, had they been in the New Testament era, would have trusted Christ.
0: So then the question becomes, why did God do it this way? Because I, I I, think that's where people go next. Why did God have people have faith in him to be saved? Well, first of all, that's the only way it can happen. And this is the point that he makes in Romans 4, that the reason why it's by a promise and by grace is so that it can be guaranteed Because trying to do it by works will never work because we're fallen. Mm -hmm. So this is the reason. Now, if God is creating the world in order to reveal himself and glorify himself and so that we can enjoy him forever, of course he's going to save people through true knowledge about him and about Jesus, because that's the whole point of of the whole creation. Why would he save through some other religion and give glory to some other false god Mm -hmm. That's not the true and good God. Mm-hmm. that that would be an injustice. So this all comes down. There, there's so many things involved with this question yeah. and uh, a lot of our questions touch on a lot of these different things. Mm-hmm. So I think this is these are things people need to think about.
1: It, it shows the importance of having s- some depth of knowledge, in what might be called biblical anthropology. That is, what does the Bible teach about man and his condition, both made in the image of God and fallen and redeemed? I mean, these are just three different glances if you want to get the full picture. And if you don't have a clear understanding of made the image of God beautiful and fallen broken, And what that brokenness entails? Well, then you're not going to get your soteriology right—biblical soteriology, which is your doctrine of salvation—and because there's a shallow understanding in these things, um, there is there is a misunderstanding of of the things that the doctrines that rest on a clear understanding of theology proper, the character of God, and anthropology, the nature Mm -hmm. of man for example.
0: So here is uh, a question that's kind of hits this from another direction. This one comes from Michael. Is it possible for someone to put their faith in Jesus for salvation and do their best to live a Christian life, but not have eternal life because they were not chosen? And then he gives a few verses, Ephesians one four, John 6.44, and Romans 8.30.
1: Well, okay, I'd have to look at those Ephesians. Let me just go to ephesians one four john six forty four is the middle of the bread of life discourse but but the way he ephesians one four, it says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him uh, before him. Okay, so that's a verse that just makes reference to chosenness. and the the answer to that question is very simply no. And the, uh, the the reason I say no, it, remember the way the word the question is worded: Is it possible for someone to have faith in Christ but not be chosen? And th- that completely misunderstands the notion of chosenness. Now, we we've talked about this a number of times recently, but I'm going to go back to the Book of Romans and just read a read um, a verse that would be important for people to meditate on, because. It, it, it goes directly to this issue. All right. And in Romans it says that um it, it, and to give you the whole passage, this is one that's oft quoted because it's an encouraging passage, but it's often misquoted. So I'm just gonna give it to you straight. And we know, that's a good point there, we know, we have confident uh knowledge that God causes, in other words, He is the one who is responsible all things to work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Okay, well, what? Where is that? what is that group? Those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All right, next line. For those whom he foreknew, and foreknowledge here is not omniscience, because he's not foreknowing events, he's foreknowing people. Okay? Those whom he foreknew, we'll call that election, Now listen to the sequence. He also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. So there's the beginning, he foreknows, chosen, and here's the ending, to be conformed to the image of his Son. All right? How's that accomplished? For those whom he predestined, now he goes through the details, those whom he predestined, he called, and those whom he called, he justified. How do you get justified? You get justified by faith in Christ. For him who does not work but believes in the God who justifies the unrighteous, to him it's reckoned as righteousness, or the ungodly, to him is reckoned as righteousness. That's Romans 4. Okay, so do you see in this sequence, those whom he called, he justified. He justifies in virtue of faith. That's the question. Who A person who has faith in Jesus is the question. That's what Michael is asked. Well, if a person has faith in Jesus, it's because God foreknew him and guaranteed he would be made like Jesus, and he guaranteed that by calling him, justifying him, and those whom he justified he also glorified. That's resurrection, and that's the final end of being like Christ. It's all packaged in there. So it, it it's like, how can God can God justify somebody that he didn't elect? No! Can he elect somebody he didn't choose? No! It's all part of the same package if you are a Christian, it is in virtue of being part of this sequence. And in fact, if you're a Christian, every part of this sequence applies to you. And this is not, to me, in the slightest bit ambiguous what what God is saying here. And the only ambiguity is the tendency of people to take the English word for new to be omniscience. Oh, he knew he we were going to believe in him and therefore he chose us. Well, that doesn't make any sense. He chose us because he knew we were going to choose him. Well, if we choose him, then he doesn't need to choose us because we chose him. But why does it say he chose us? We don't, he doesn't choose us because we choose him. We choose him. To be justified because He's already chose us. Foreknowledge is a synonym for um, predestination or for for election. Predestination is what ends up happening to us as a result of that election, and we are predestined. That is determined beforehand to what become like Jesus, to be glorified. And there's the sequence. So so i understand the question but it doesn't take into consideration the the, the, the whole teaching um and it's often people say well I, if i if i wanted i could want jesus and believe in jesus and everything but if i'm not chosen then i'm out well no you you'd only want to believe in all that if god was working in a sovereign way to bring you to that understanding people who are not chosen don't want that oh they mm-hmm. may want redemption like we talked about earlier but not on God's terms. So uh, I'd encourage Michael to look closely at this passage in Romans 8. And uh I don't I didn't look at the John 6 passage but I know the passage is about God's sovereign grace.
0: Right. So I I want to read that verse cuz because Michael also has, you know, John 6:44 and that reads like this. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day.
1: I will. <laughs> right. I will. Doesn't so it doesn't go further, the, and he says that uh, all the Father gives for me, I lose nothing. I think that's a phrase in that passage as well. So, there is no thing where the people have faith and they get lost because they're not chosen.
0: Right. So, this this very verse is saying, if you have faith in Christ, God has drawn you. Right. So there's no question of whether or not um, there's no category where God draws you and then you're not chosen. That's just not that's not how this works. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people do worry about this. I get questions about this where they see this idea of chosen and then they are afraid that they aren't chosen. But this is what we need to keep in mind. You don't need to know why you have faith. You can even disagree with us mm-hmm. on why you have faith. But the fact is, Jesus says he will not turn you away. He will not cast you out. And I can't remember which verse that is now, and I wish I had that in front of me right now. But whoever comes to him, he will not turn aside. So if you have faith in him, it can't, first of all, it can't be that you're not chosen. But even if you have that worry, just hang on to the fact that you know Jesus will not turn you away, and Mm -hmm. that's the important thing to remember here. There's nothing, there's no barrier that will stop you from being saved if you have faith in Christ, because it is faith in Christ that saves you by God's grace. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, uh, here in in Matthew, or rather, John chapter 10 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Notice the sequence here. They hear, those are the ones he knows. They respond by following, and I give eternal life to them. Notice the sequence. So, hearing His voice is responding in a way that results in salvation, according to Jesus. And they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of My hand. And the John six passage that we we're just reading. Um, uh, so, well, I did
0: find that verse I was oh, looking okay. for. It's, it's verse 37 in John 6. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. Uh, I was right on that verse. <laughs> just
1: going. So, that's okay. You, see, you said it so sweetly. For I have come down from heaven, continuing here, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will who, of him who sent me, that all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up in the last day. Okay. Um, For this the will of my Father that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. So, from top to bottom, there's 37 through 40. You have all kinds of citations of security because we have been chosen by the Father who draws us and gives us to Christ, and that guarantees that we will be raised up in the last day.
0: All right. That's all we have time for, Greg. Thank you, Michael, and thank you, Corey. We, we appreciate hearing from you. If you have a question, send it on Twitter with the hashtag STRask, or you can go through our website on our podcast page. Just look for the hashtag STRask podcast page. This is Amy Hall and Greg Kokel for Stand to Reason.